Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I saw this article not too long ago in the New Haven Independent by Brian Slattery about something called Horse Island Research Center, which is a Yale property among the Thimble Islands. And I was... I was intrigued. So joining us right now is David Heiser, who is the Director of Student Programs for the Yale Peabody Museum, but has a lot to do with what's going on in this place called Horse Island, which I confess I never heard of before. David Heiser, welcome to the Lisa Wexer Show today. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Well, really, it's a pleasure. I was reading this, and I was completely enthralled. So full stop for those of us who have no idea where Horse Island is. Where is it, and can any of us get to it? (laughs) <laughs> so Horse Island is one of the Thimble Islands uh, off Brantford, uh, Connecticut. So um, we get to it by taking a, a small water taxi from from Stony Creek, um, from the Stony Creek docks. And it is, as I say, one of many Thimble Islands. So your listeners may have gone on a Thimble Island tour before. There are some really fun tour boats that uh, take people around the Thimbles in the summer. So, yeah, off the coast of Brantford. Okay, very cool. And is Horse Island one of the ones that people can visit? So Horse Island is only visitation by appointment, is the way we like to say. It's not a publicly accessible island. It's right next door to Outer Island. And Outer Island is part of the Stuart B. McKinney National Wildlife Refuge. And that that island is open to the public between the end of May and the end of September every year. People kayak out there. They take their boats. They can also take that same water taxi. So that island, which is is literally a few hundred feet away from Horse Island, is open to the public. Uh, Horse Island is um, owned by the Peabody Museum. Uh, We acquired it in 1971, and we've been using it effectively as a research station, um, uh, uh, you know, a a place to do research, to teach, uh, to bring people to learn more about island ecology, um, rocky uh, shoreline ecology and that sort of thing for the last 50 years. Um, I'll, I'll certainly tell you more about it in a moment, but because of that, we try to keep it. Uh, we try to keep it a place where where there's not a lot of disturbance. I guess I is the best that. way to. Yeah, people so, want uh, things. I totally get that, but I personally would like a private tour, David. I'm just saying. Okay, um, we can you give me a call, Lisa. <laughs> okay, so so David, this is very. If I was a birder, which I am, I'm a bird enthusiast, which is to say, I know nothing except I like to look up a lot. What kind of birds would I see on Horse Island right now, or in the thimbles in general? 
Who who would I see? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, all the all the shorebirds that you might expect to see, uh, various types of gulls, uh, you know, oyster catchers. We've got um, a lot of osprey around. There's regularly a bald eagle that has um, that lands on the island and fishes nearby. Uh, so you know, herons, uh, egrets, things like that. Cormorants, lots of cormorants. But then, because Horse Island is um, is wooded. Uh, and it's not big. It's only 17 acres. So it's really a fairly small island. But mm-hmm. even so, it has forest on it. And because of that, we get woodland bird species as well. So we get lots of warblers. I saw my first black and white warbler out there just earlier this summer, which was wonderful. Uh, yellow rumped warblers. We have uh, woodpeckers like flickers. We have great horned owls on the island. Really? Uh, that uh, yeah. So it's, it really has, uh, it, it has been a wonderful place. For wildlife, um, although obviously as an island, we mostly are seeing birds and occasionally bats. There's very little in the way of, of mammals. It's it's hard to get to the island. It's hard to get off the island. So, so we're mostly seeing birds. So I'm and glad what about asked. turtles? Does it have turtles? We have not seen any turtles. Uh, things like turtles we've seen are occasional garter snakes. Um, we have seen some salamanders. So those are... That's kind of as close as it gets to any mm. turtles that I've seen on the island. Good question. Okay. 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 So we're chatting with David Heiser. So I saw that you're making Horse Island somewhat of an experiment in this term called regenerative architecture. What is that? That's right. What is that? Well, so, yeah, it's it's really, it's a form of sustainable architecture that goes, I would say goes one or two steps beyond what is known as lead design, L-E-E-D. A lot of people have heard of that. You can have a lead gold building or a lead platinum. And those, those are buildings that live very lightly on the earth. They, they use very little in the way of energy and, and, and are built with you know, renewable materials when possible. But regenerative design or regenerative architecture takes the entire life cycle of the building into account, literally from the choice of the materials themselves all the way through to thinking about when the building's life, basically when the building's life is, is done, when, when it ceases to serve its purpose anymore. Uh, you know, these buildings are built so that they can be taken apart. Um, the one that's on Horse Island that we just built, our new research station, was built almost entirely with bolts and, uh, and screws uh, rather than things like nails and glues. And that makes it possible literally to take it apart when it's all done and reuse the pieces elsewhere. So regenerative design goes, like I say, that much farther into thinking about the materials that go into the building and then what happens to them at the end. Well, isn't wood by definition always regenerative and reusable or am I wrong? No, you are right. Wood is regenerative, but still the the time it takes to grow a tree and then the energy that it takes to mill it and then ship it, treat it, all that kind of stuff. If you can make use of materials in your neighborhood, if you can take down a house or another structure or find materials that are, that are being, uh, you know, that would otherwise maybe end up in a, in a construction dumpster, uh, even better. You know, so it's, we're, we're, we're sort of talking about degrees of sustainability or degrees of, uh, you know, of, of benefit to the environment to, and yeah, so that's, 
that's the kind of thing we're talking about. You are you are correct. Obviously, uh, you can grow new trees, um, but there is still an energy input required to get those trees to a point where they become building material. Right. No, I understand. So the point of regenerative is that is that things don't last forever, but when they don't last, they can themselves be reused or that they sort of become compost someplace and go in a landfill but sort of nicely disappear. Well, I think, you, I think you've got it. it. It's some of each. I mean, I'll give you an example. So I work at the Peabody Museum, and the Peabody Museum is under renovation right now. We're going to reopen hopefully in another few months to the public. We're very excited. Um, but when we dismantled the Peabody Museum at the beginning of the renovations, that was right when we were starting to work with the architecture students to design this, this new structure. And we had three giant glass windows that were coming out of our old discovery room. And uh, we told the students, you know, here are some windows that are otherwise going to go into the dumpster. Could you use them? And they designed the three windows that are in the building around the size and shape of these pieces of glass. Mm, so that makes sense. It actually, the reason why we call it regenerative design is that it literally goes back to the design stage, which takes a little bit of extra work. But before you even begin the architectural design of a building, you find out what materials you might have at your disposal that are reusable. And then you can quite literally design parts of the building around that. I totally get that. My daughter was doing a semi-mini renovation in her apartment in New York, and they were taking down an office because they're making way for a baby's room. And so they were taking down these perfectly good usable shelves. So she moved them to another room and put them up and repainted them and made them a permanent desk shelf. And she was so it. happy with herself. And, and when they took an, when they, when they moved an oven, they made they had a bigger oven. And so they okay. had to take out a little oven in a different space. They took the cabinet from where the big oven was going to be and they moved it where the little oven was going to be. So basically oh. they had very little waste and she was very proud I of herself it. that they were able to yeah. reuse as much as they were. Very proud of herself. And I was like, very good, very good job. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> That's yes. perfect. Right. Please, please, please give her my vote of confidence as well. Yes. That sounds, that's just exactly what we're talking about is, is really being thoughtful about the materials that go into this because really the, the generation and the transport of materials 
is a massive energy input. I mean, a lot of people think about sustainable buildings. They think about, oh, do I have solar panels on my roof? Is, am I using solar to power it? Or is it well insulated? You know, am I, am I, am I making the most of the heating that I'm, that I'm, you know, pumping in in the winter? But really, the materials cost in terms of in, environmental, uh, you know, what we think about in terms of the environment are, are massive. And it's, uh, you know, when you think about concrete as well, um, metal building materials, steel. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. And to be able to reuse any materials rather than generate them raw uh, is, is really a huge step in the right direction. You know, it's really interesting we're chatting with David Heiser because as I'm listening to you, what I'm really thinking is that, well, this is what I'm really thinking. I'm thinking that for many hundreds of years, thousands of years, human beings naturally did what you're advocating we do. And then really, after post-war in the 1950s, we became this disposable culture where new was automatically better and anything old needed to be thrown out. And it became this sort of ethic of consumerism in America. But it really goes against sort of your Yankee thrift kind of thinking of, of the way people used to live all the time. Absolutely. That's very perceptive. And, and it was, it, you're exactly right. And it's because people recognized that there was, uh, there was an economic benefit to it. There was also a, a time and effort benefit to it, right? I mean, all of those things. Who wants to put in the extra time and effort when you can make reuse of something Correct. perfectly good right at your elbow? Yeah, you're absolutely right. But then it became sort of a cultural derogatory thing. Oh, you're reusing that. So what you're trying to do is shift the cultural perception to say, that's cool. It doesn't make you, you know, somebody uncool. It makes you somebody cool. Well, we're glad to be part of this movement. You know, the the course itself that this grew out of was a, was a course offered uh, in the school of architecture here at Yale by uh, senior critic Alan Organsky, who um, who really was the one to bring this idea to our director and say, hey, do you want to partner on this? And we're going to get a bunch of students kind of thinking about how to do this at scale. Do you have a project that would be a good fit for this? And our director, Dave Skelly, said, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've been trying to figure out how to make it easier for people to do research on Horse Island. Uh, right now, there was, there's no infrastructure there in terms of electricity. There's no water. There's nothing like that. And so this was an opportunity also for us to kind of join in this experiment of regenerative design and come out the other side with a building that is completely off the grid where we have solar panels now on top of this new research station. We have a rainwater collection and purification system that gives us running fresh water, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and it's become a place that really – is much more feasible for people who want to go out there and try to do some research than it used to be. Is it pretty? I think it's pretty. Absolutely. It's the, the one of the nice things about the design of the building is that it has, uh, it's kind of a long rectangle and both of the long walls are four panels of sliding doors that you can slide completely open and out of the way. So it turns that's it nice. from something that's kind of like a room into more of an open air pavilion that ends up have you know, beautiful breeze coming through a nice view of the woods and the water. Uh, and then you can close those, uh, basically close the walls when, uh, when it's cold or when you need to, uh, you know, have it enclosed. So it's a nice design. I really like it. I have a question from a listener, David Heiser. We're talking with you and you're the head of Peabody. Please put me in touch with the regenerative architecture person. I have two large new thermopane 
windows that I've been trying to donate. I can't find a place that would take them. He actually has mm. spe- specifics. Low E, argon filled, 90 time by 82 inches, must be professionally moved. What would we wow. do? You know, so, yeah. So what could we do with that? Should I hook you up offline or something? What, what do we do with that where listeners want to yeah. maybe donate to you? Yeah, thanks for asking. You are welcome to do that. The, the, the New Haven Independent article that you mentioned um, also had a piece about Joe DeRisi, who, who runs a, a, something called Urban Miners in Hamden, Connecticut. And, and Joe has been in the business for a long time of basically getting calls from people who want to do this and helping them dismantle their house, collecting the materials, and then reusing or reselling them for building materials. So That's cool. Urban Miners would be would be a really good place for listeners to check out. I don't really know, honestly, what their policies are about uh, about accepting materials, but I think it's the, probably the best place to start. Urban miners, that's extremely cool. So, yeah, and, and, wow. And going back to Horse Island for a little bit and these rain barrels, David Heiser, is this yeah. something that you advocate suburbanites start to think about doing? So there's there's quite a bit of permitting involved. I will I will say that uh, we are getting a chance to do this thanks to both the town of Brantford and the state, uh, who have permit policies in place for getting sort of getting a rainwater collection and installation system up and running. And it's not easy. This has been the thing that has I will say that that of of all the pieces of this building, the rainwater collection and purification has taken us the longest to get to, just because. It's tricky. It, it, it really requires being careful. You know, we have rainwater collectors on the roof. They, they funnel water down to a bladder beneath the building. Water from the bladder then gets pumped up through the purification system, which is a two-stage purifier that includes filtration but also includes UV light. And then at that point, it goes into a tap. And we have to, uh, we have to test the rainwater. We have to test the tap water. Um, so it's really, you know, these are, these are things that, you know, uh, suburb, as you say, suburbanites could and should, in my opinion, look into, but need to understand that uh, of all the kind of things that one can do, uh, this one is the trickiest, I would say, to pull off, but it's definitely worth looking into. Well, David Heiser, my question is, and you probably know the answer to this, how clean or (laughs) dirty is our rainwater? Just curious. I know it has to be filtered. I know it needs to go through the UV light. That's all smart and good. But I'm just curious. Is our rainwater yeah. that undrinkable? I'm curious. No, the rainwater, the rainwater itself is, is very clean. It's the question of how you collect it. So are the surfaces that, are, that it's draining off of, are your pipes clean? Are, are all oh, those things clean? So that's okay. the deal is that, uh, you know, the rainwater itself should be fine, um, but, uh, but really it's, uh, it's, it's what it's going through and then, and then what, what it's sitting in once it's collected. Um, you do have to be very careful about that. By the way, just before we wrap up, we're chatting with David Heiser, the Director of Student Programs for Yale Peabody. I remember many years ago I went to the Peabody Museum, which I, I want to say is on Whitney Avenue, but I could be wrong. Is it Whitney? You're is right. Whitney? You're Whitney right, Avenue. Yeah. And I took my little one in, Jonathan, at the time, and maybe he was 10 years old. And it was this sort of a very pretty building from the outside, but I didn't know what to expect on the inside. And I walked inside and I saw the dinosaur. And I was flat out flabbergasted, I thought. I didn't know we had a Museum of Natural History in New Haven, Connecticut. 
It really absolutely floored me. And I just want to say that to anybody with a little kid anywhere who goes through that dinosaur phase, you've got to make your way to the Peabody. It's unbelievable. Thank you. And people have been waiting. You know, Lisa, we've been closed almost four years for renovations now it's unbelievable. with the with the target of opening up this spring. And I, I know we're going to hit that. Um, we don't have a date that we've publicized yet, but look for look for us to open our doors this spring. The big dinosaurs are back. Uh, there's all sorts of other amazing things on display that haven't had a chance to see the light of day in decades. So I think people are going to get a little taste of the old, a little taste of the new. Um, the building itself is is much more user-friendly, um, a beautiful new space. We've opened up a lot of the windows that were that were boarded shut for years as well. So it's, it's going to be beautiful, and we look forward to welcoming everybody in sometime in the spring. After four and a half years, it better be pretty good, David. I mean, that's a long time to close a museum. Really. <laughs> it is a long time. I agree. I agree. We're almost there. Okay. David Heiser, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have you back. We've been talking about Horse Island and Peabody Museum. Very exciting, beautiful things right here in our own hometowns. Thank you, David. Thank you so much, Lisa. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.